It's important for us to realize that right now the persecution of Christ's bride has never been broader or bloodier than it is right here, right now in history. And even here in the United States, Christians face persecution and discrimination like never before with a growing intensity. We need to see that reality. Christians are often mocked, verbally abused, slandered for their faith. And sadly, one of the main places for this to take place is the academy and mainstream media. I hope you're seeing that reality. They're the hot zone for this Christian persecution and discrimination right here in our country. There are more professors hostile towards Christianity and Christian students and Christians in general in our institutions of higher learning today than ever before. Christians are belittled. They're dismissed. They're called radicals. They're called bigots. They're called backward fundamentalists. Christians face social persecution and discrimination, and many face economic persecution because they're employed by large multinational corporations overshadowed by the fallen spirit of this dark world given over to wokeism and things like that. Hostile to anyone holding publicly to biblical Christianity. Be wise. See the reality. It's happening. It's growing all around us. So you see, Paul's warning to Timothy is to us too. Anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's true. Well, Paul has been preparing his young protege for the long haul of pastoral ministry and the reality of the painful hurts that he will experience, the attacks, the persecution that come not only from the outside world, the unbelieving world, but also from within the church, from hypocrites and false teachers that would seek to lead the church astray. And Paul's letter, it's intense, isn't it? It's sobering. This series has been intense. It's sobering for all those who are in Christ. We see the battle going on in the context of the text. The reality of it. And it's intense for us, brothers and sisters, as we also see the reality of the battle going on in the context of our own lives. Right here, right now, the battle between Christ and Satan and good and evil. The cosmic battle. But you see, hallelujah, we have everything that we need for true life and godliness. We have our resurrected Savior the Son of God, the one who came forth to save His people. Crucified, dead and buried. Resurrected and ascended on high. He stands for us with all power and authority interceding for His people. And hallelujah, we have God's perfect and pure, sufficient and authoritative living Word in our hands, in our hearts, and in our minds and lives so that we can live triumphant faith. As Pastor Sam prayed for us to live lives of triumphant faith, lives of salvation, 
lives of sanctification together. That's what Paul is showing us. So Paul, he drives home here at the heart of this letter. He says, Timothy, follow me even as together we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and take hold of the living, eternal, authoritative, all-sufficient, infallible word of God to live a life of faithfulness, to live a life of courage and transformation in this hostile and dark world of persecution and intimidation and persecution that we face as believers. So, so how does the Word of God empower us and equip us and encourage us? Well, let's hear God's Word together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'll be reading verses 12 to 17, and then the sermon will be 14 to 17. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Amen. The word of the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, this brings us to our first of two main points this morning. God's holy and living word is the only saving word. God's holy and living word is the only saving word. Paul exhorts Timothy and us right here in verses 14 and 15 to continue in the faith once delivered, to continue in the reality of the word of God. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, live by the book. Live by the book because that book, the Holy Bible, the Word of God, it's, it's the book that shows you and tells you the way of salvation. It's this book alone that tells you the way of salvation. You see, if you don't embrace the gospel of God as He's offered it to you in this book, the Holy Bible, there's no possibility for salvation. But of course, the world and the flesh and the devil say, no, all religions are basically the same. All roads lead to the same place, to the same God. No, that's a lie. That is not true. God's word alone is the word of power to save. That's what we need to see from this text. Brothers and sisters, God's word is the only power to save. That's what we're hit with here. God's Word can save because it's sacred. Did you catch that? The sacred writings. God's Word is sacred. It's holy. It's the Word of God's gospel. It's the Word of power. It's the power of God for the salvation of His people in Christ Jesus. His Word is the saving power for all those given by the Son, given by the Father to the Son to be saved whether they be Old Testament saints or New Testament saints, they come 
to Christ Jesus the Savior. This is the word of salvation. It's the power of the gospel. As Paul declares in Romans 1, because by grace, God's grace, it's able to make a person wise. Wise unto salvation. The word of God is the power to save because it's able to make a person wise unto salvation. Are you a truly wise person? Are you wise in seeing the reality of your sin and your rebellion? Are you wise in seeing the reality of the sin and the rebellion out there in the world so that when you see it, you know it? Are you a wise person, truly wise in seeing the reality of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the glorious one that came forth in the mystery of the incarnation, incarnation, the glory of, of the wise wisdom of God who came forth to save his people. Are you wise? Are you wise in seeing the glory of the blessed exchange? Not the stock exchange, but God's blessed exchange for his people in the gospel. Are you wise by the power of the word to see the reality of that? That God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the the blessed exchange that Christ Jesus took our sin upon himself on the cross and he paid our debt. He took our shame and our punishment and he removed it from before the face of Almighty God and he gave us the glorious gift of his righteousness, his holy living, that we're clothed in Christ, we're forgiven in Christ. Are you wise to this truth, the wisdom of God? This is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1. It's beautiful. And because of God the Father, you're in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Are you alive to the wisdom of God and Christ? Then God's word of power has regenerated your heart. The beauty of this, think about it. By God's word of power, he created the universe. By his Word of power, the power of his word, he called all things into existence out of nothingness. He created the world, the universe, and by the word of his power, he created you and me. And by the word of his power, the word made flesh, God has recreated his people. He's recreated our hearts in Christ Jesus. This is what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 1. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, Christ Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Recreated in the word of power in Christ, the saving power. This is the only power that is able to come forth and cut to the very heart and soul and quick of our lives, the very inner being of who we are. This word that is active and living, the word of God that can bring conviction of sin and living faith in Christ 
that we become wise unto salvation. Paul says, Timothy, you must continue to look to the saving word of God. So this is the application. Brothers and sisters, are we truly wise? Has the power of God's word made you wise unto salvation in Christ? If that's true of you, then that same saving power is also the power to safeguard your heart and to shield your mind from the lies of the old man and the world, the fallen world. You see, brothers and sisters, God's word is the only power to safeguard and shield us. See, the Bible, it's, it's the safeguarding word. It's that safeguarding word that holds us fast by God's word of promise. It's the protection that we need even in the midst of our, our inner being when we're tempted to believe the lie. When it comes into our hearts from the old man, from the flesh, you're not really a believer. You're not really saved. Look at you, you keep sinning, you keep rebelling, you keep turning away. You're still under condemnation. You are still lost. There is no hope for you. This is when God's word comes forth as the powerful word of peace, which surpasses all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This powerful word that safeguards our hearts and shields us. As God's adopted sons and daughters, we're powerfully protected. As we're reminded again and again and again, the word of the gospel, the promise of God in Christ, the promise for believers and their children. It's the only power, the power of salvation. It's the only safeguarding word, the only shielding word. You see, Paul is telling Timothy, as you're being attacked and persecuted, you have the protecting, all-powerful, divine word that holds you fast and anchors you in Christ. It safeguards you. It shields you. And again, it's not just for us believers, but also for our children. Hallelujah for our believing children. This is why we must obey the scriptures. We must teach our children the scriptures. We must show them Christ in the scriptures. The word of salvation, the word of life, we must, must teach them the gospel. What a blessing to be a covenant child. What a blessing for Timothy to be a covenant child who learned the sacred holy, saving word on his mother's lap, on his grandmother's lap, as he was raised in the covenant home. What a blessing. The word of gospel power, able to make you wise for salvation, able to safeguard you and to shield you in Christ. Covenant children, you are so blessed. You are so blessed to be part of a, a believing family and a believing church and yet, you will face trials. You will face temptations and hardships and hostility in this world. But God has given you his son. He's given you his word. He's given you his powerful protection. What a blessing. So how are we going to make it in this fallen world of brokenness and hostility? How in the world did Paul make it? 
in that dungeon? How did Timothy make it in that crazy church in Ephesus? How are we going to make it? Well, Paul's exhortation is simple and clear. I think we can all get the message. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read the Holy Scriptures. They've been given to you by the Lord. Continue in what you have learned and know and believe what you've heard. It's the ongoing glorious gift of God for His people to bring salvation, to bring forth a safeguarding and a shielding. It is for us and for our families, for each and every generation until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So are you reading your Bible daily? Are you reading your Bible alone? Are you reading your Bible with your spouse, with your children? Are you reading your Bible with brothers and sisters as we gather to study and pray throughout the week? And are you especially making the most of this day to gather together to hear the Lord's Word read and preached on His day? You know, you can't read the Bible too much. You can't hear too many faithful sermons. And And no time spent reading the Word of God to your children is ever in vain. Read the Word because we're in the midst of a great cosmic spiritual battle for hearts and minds and souls. We need this Word filling us, saturating us, surrounding us for us and for our children because we live in the midst of a world of lies. They're coming at us all the time. Think of all the different mediums that lies come through. Television, the internet, the news, podcasts, movies, social media, all the time coming at us lies. So we have to be a people of God's Word filled. So this is the application. By God the Father's gift of gospel grace alone in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Christians must continue to learn God's Word and believe God's Word and love God's Word. And as we do that, we love the living Word all the more. We must be about this. And if that's true of you, then it's a, the reality that you're a truly wise person and you're on the The way, and the way is the godly path, and the way is the way of sanctification, and that path is forward, it's not backward. If that's true of you, God has called you and created within you the desire to live the godly life in Christ Jesus, and you're not to shrink back, but you're to move forward. You're to keep pressing on, advancing. We're called to grow and flourish, and And we do and we will because the saving word is also the sanctifying word. That's what Paul is showing us. It's the word that transforms and equips God's people. That brings us to our second main point this morning. God's holy and living word is the only sanctifying word. It's the only saving word and it's the only sanctifying word. And it can sanctify because it's sacred. It's holy, and it's what God uses with the power of His Holy Spirit to more and more transform us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, to more and more transform us and to conform us into the image of the one that we live and move and have our being in through the Holy Spirit. 
Who is our righteousness? This, this is what Jesus prayed for in John 17, the high priestly prayer. Oh, Father, holify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see, holiness is a thing. And sanctification is the process of turning us into that thing, which is holiness. This is what Jesus prayed for. And in him we are sanctified. The Holy Scriptures, the Word of God is sacred and it comes forth and proceeds from God himself. And Paul says the most amazing thing to Timothy. He says the Word of God is theopanousta. It is God-breathed. It's glorious. You see, because the Holy Scriptures are God-breathed, they're pure. Brothers and sisters, God's Word is the only pure Word. It's the only pure Word. And here in, in verses 16 and 17, we have what theologians call the classic location for the doctrine of sola scriptura. Scripture alone, the only authority. The Word of God. Here in these two verses, we have the glorious distillation of what the Bible says about God's inspiration and revelation as He's given us His Holy Word. You see, with the gift of the Bible, we have the one sacred, holy, infallible, perfect, authoritative, and pure living Word of God that completely communicates all that we need to know about God and ourselves and about the only way of salvation in Christ so that we can be about doing the good. The doctrine of God's Word. You see, what Paul tells us here and shows us here is what the Bible is and what the Bible is for and what the Bible does. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Living. It's inspired. Notice what Paul says. All Scripture is inspired. Not some Scripture, but all Scripture. And notice also what is inspired. It's not just the ideas of Scripture, but the words of Scripture, all the words of all the writings, God's breathed out Word. All Scripture is breathed out by God. This is what theologians call the doctrine of plenary verbal inspiration, that all the words of all the Scriptures are inspired Every jot, every tittle of every word of all the 39 Old Testament books and all the 27 New Testament books make up the Word of God breathed out for you and me. All Scripture. You know, you can't speak without breathing. Do you know that? You can't. You can't speak without breathing out. And, and, and as you speak, you breathe out the words. Well, all Scripture is God exhaling His word of truth to us. And you see, since the, the Lord God Almighty is spirit and He's everywhere present, and He powerfully and perfectly breathed out His word through His men that He created and called to serve Him by being the instruments through which the Holy Spirit brings forth His holy word, these men spoke and wrote down God's special revelation. It's a glorious miracle, a glorious gift. We need to realize that these men, they didn't go into some kind of hypnotic trance where they just, the Holy Spirit came upon them and their eyes rolled in the back of their heads and 
like a machine, they just began to write down feverishly the Word of God. No. No, God worked glorious through His works of providence and by His Holy Spirit. And through all these different men and, and their personalities and their giftings and their different callings, they served the Lord. And the Holy Spirit drew forth all the Holy Word of God through these men for the people of God. We read it in our scripture reading. This is what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These men wrote it down perfectly as they were empowered to do so, and it's pure. The all-powerful and all-wise God has superintended His Word by His Spirit down through the ages so that what you hold in your hand is holy, it's perfect, it's pure, it's authoritative, it's clear, and it's sufficient. What glory! Do you hold your Bible like that? What a gift! What a glorious gift of the living God! But you see, from the very beginning, the attacks upon the Word of God came, didn't they? Hath God really said? Has God really said? Is it really the Word of God, the only Word of salvation and sanctification? Has God really said? The lies from the beginning. Brothers and sisters, be on your guard when you hear things like this. Well, of course... That big, thick book, the Bible that you have, well, of course, the, the Word of God is somewhere in there. It's somewhere in there. That Bible contains God's Word somewhere. No. Be on guard when you hear things like, well, the Bible can become God's Word for you if you just receive it and believe it. It can become God's Word. No! These are lies. We must reject these distortions. We must hold fast to the whole Bible. We can't let go of any part of it. We can't surrender any part of the Holy Bible to our unholy world. We must hold it fast. And we can't pick and choose what we like. We can't be like Thomas Jefferson and take our scissors to our Bible and just cut out those things that we don't like or we don't understand. Or that somehow we say, you know, that's just not rational. I'm a modern man. That's what he did. And to do that is like going scuba diving without your oxygen tank. You will die. You are cut off from life, from the breath of God's word of life. You can't do that. For the life of salvation and sanctification, we need God's word like a a newborn baby needs mother's milk. I love what Peter says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Has he breathed upon your heart to give it life, to receive the glory of his word delivered to you, the word of power, the word of salvation, the word of sanctification, then praise him. Do you realize that your cells are saturated with oxygen so that, that you could say that you are what you breathe? 
You are what you breathe. Brothers and sisters, what do we breathe in? Do we breathe in the pollution of this fallen world, sin-tainted, filled with the smog of sin and selfishness? Do we breathe in the putrid breath of Satan? His breath is hell breath. Satan and all of his followers who reject the word of God, they reject the Christ, they want to destroy his people. Is that what we breathe in? Or do we breathe in the pure and holy, sacred, saving and sanctifying word of God day by day? If we do, then we're promised a harvest of righteousness. The God-breathed word produces a sanctifying, profitable, and fruitful life. That's what Paul shows us here. It's beautiful, brothers and sisters. God's word is the only productive word. It's the only productive word. It produces. The Holy Scripture is profitable. It's productive by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Look what God's saving and sanctifying word does in our lives. Verse 16, the Scripture is productive. It's fruitful. It's profitable for the life of discipleship, for the life of sanctification, of growing stronger in faith and obedience and being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. So how's the word productive? Look at this, just quickly, these things. It teaches us the truth, and God's word replaces our ignorance with his truth for life that is expressed in wisdom. It's productive because God's breathed-out word displaces our ignorance from our hearts and replaces it with truth. What a glorious production. Well, how else is it productive? It, it reproves us and corrects us. It takes away our folly. It, it rebukes us and takes away our prideful attitude. It takes away those things that would cause us to stay away from the Lord, to be hardened in our hearts, to run from Him. It's productive. It takes away our folly. It reproves and corrects. Well, how else is it productive? It trains us in righteousness. God's Word trains us in right thinking and speaking and acting so that we grow stronger and stronger, spiritually speaking. The Word of God, it works us out so that we're not flabby Christians, but we're spiritually muscular Christians. We're, we're strong. It's productive. We're trained up in righteousness and the right things and doing and saying and thinking and living. Well, how else is it productive? It equips us for every good work. It equips the man of God or the woman of God for every good work. The good word of the Lord produces the good works of his redeemed and sanctified people. What a glorious production, the gift of the word of God, so that we would be protected and guarded and equipped and encouraged that we might have more gospel courage to be about living forth the reality of God's word of power and salvation as we're sanctified. It equips us, brothers and sisters, as the only rule of faith and practice, the authority. So I wonder, why is it that the overwhelming majority of the visible church appears to be living life like it doesn't really 
accept the authority of God's word as over and above all. Why is that the case? Well, it reminds me of of the greatest miracle that took place in the Exodus. The greatest miracle that took place in the Exodus was not God getting His people out of Egypt, but the greatest miracle was getting Egypt out of His people. Worldliness. You see, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of worldliness in the church. There's a lot of worldliness in our thinking and our living. I'm sad to say there's a lot of worldliness in your pastors. There's a lot of worldliness in me. There's a lot of worldliness in the elders and the deacons. And there's a lot of worldliness in you too. It's true. And the reason the Lord gives us His perfect and pure, authoritative, all-sufficient living Word is so that we would be saved and that we are being sanctified. And here's the good news. Hallelujah, He's not done with us yet. Amen? He's not done with us yet. And I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a glorious promise. Oh, hallelujah. Well, this is why the Lord has given us the gift of His Supper. The glorious gift of the Lord's Supper that adorns His living Word so that as we hear the words of institution and we take the bread and the fruit of the vine and we eat and drink by the gift of living faith, we commune with Jesus Christ in a deeper, more profound way. And brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit presses the Word of promise, the sanctifying Word, deeper into our hearts that we're more and more conformed to the image of Jesus, and we have a greater hope, a greater faith, and a greater love in the Word made flesh for us. Let's pray. Almighty God, we worship you and praise you and thank you for your amazing grace and your loving kindness, for the gospel, for the gift of your holy saving and sanctifying word in Christ. We pray that you would lead us to the supper, that you would feed us afresh manna from heaven. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.